Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, great to see all of you this morning. Um, it is just great to be here and uh, especially great to see Mike and Corinne and Sonny over there. Just, I mean, I was trying to pay attention to the message, but man, that kid is just so cute. And uh, it is really just uh, great to see you all. Um, it feels like so long, you know, that we, since we've been together, really all together back before the pandemic um, and looking forward to seeing so many of you again very soon. Um, we're going to continue this, uh, the series that we've been doing on a solid foundation this morning. And, you know, in this series, we've been picking scriptures that really help us to help provide us with a foundation for our relationship with God. And so we've been picking a, uh, choosing a scripture each week and really looking deeply into that scripture and how we can live that out in our lives. And, uh, you know, through all of the turmoil that's going on, all the uncertainty around us, we know that we can have security in our lives through a relationship with God that is built on the foundation of the scriptures. And so that's what we're trying to build. And you can turn over to Ephesians chapter one. I will get there in a second. I really appreciated Scott Muscat's uh, message last week, really about talking about season 22, about how we can live our lives, really kind of pursuing God, the adventure of a relationship with God and really making uh, our lives count, the season of our lives count this year in 2022. And, uh, you know, he mentioned actually a passage in Ephesians last week, and we're going to be talking about some more in Ephesians this morning. Um, this is a a letter that we have, we, you know, we call it the book of Ephesians, but it's really a letter written by the Apostle Paul, probably while he was imprisoned in Rome towards the end of his life. And this is kind of in the early or mid 60s AD. And, you know, the earliest manuscripts of this letter don't have the words in Ephesus in the beginning when, when Paul is addressing the people to whom he is writing. And so scholars believe that this was probably a letter that was meant for a variety of churches, a number of churches, maybe to be circulated around the churches in the ancient world, because it addressed some issues that were common to a lot of churches and things that were going on in that time. Paul addresses a lack of unity in the early church, and he explains how the plan of God that culminated in the death and the resurrection of Jesus should lead Jesus's followers to live lives of incredible unity and holiness. And it's a great letter for us today as well. I think, you know, we're in, in this time where it is hard to be unified, isn't it? It's hard to feel as connected and as close to each other because of the situations that, that we're in and, and the difficulties that we're facing through the pandemic here. And, you know, I'd encourage you if, if, if you're feeling kind of disconnected and really for all of us, I, you know, this is a great letter to read, I think, to, to help us to, to uh, really provide a theological foundation and a challenge to really be unified in the places that we are. So let's read uh, Ephesians chapter one, and we'll start in verse three, and uh, I'm going to read verses three to 14. Now, we're going to end up reading this twice. So you know, if, if it goes a little bit over your head, there's some deep stuff in here. So just kind of, you know, take a first shot at it and we'll read it again in a second and kind of and, and go through it to help understand what Paul is saying here. But we'll start in verse three. Paul says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him 
before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You know, I love how you see Paul's heart here in this passage. Here he is in prison for following Jesus, his life in danger every day. He will be killed probably just a, a few years after this letter is written. And yet rather than complain about his circumstances, Paul starts, as soon as he starts writing, he kind of finishes the, the introduction to his letter, just saying that this is Paul writing. And as, but it really, as soon as he starts writing, he begins by praising God. This is where you see his heart. This is where his heart is at. Even in prison, persecuted, in chains, his heart is a heart of praise. He opens his mouth. The first thing that comes out is praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, that's the heart of Jesus. Praise overflowing, no matter the circumstances. It's an upward call for me. I hope you feel it as well. But then Paul talks about how God intervened in our lives through Christ in order to bring about his plan for us. And, you know, we'll talk about the specifics of what he says in a second, but I just want to point out what I believe is really a great summary of the point Paul is making throughout the entire letter here of, the, of Ephesians. And, he, and that's in verses 9 and 10. He says, with all wisdom and understanding, this is in, down in verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment. He says, what is the mystery of God's will? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Paul says the mystery of God's will that he accomplished in Jesus, the goal of the whole thing was to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Christ. What God really desires for the world is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is God's desire for the world. Now this has two elements that Paul is going to address later in the letter, really throughout the rest of it, which is that, you know, on the, on the one hand, God desires unity between us and our brothers and sisters. And that only comes through our humility. 
And then the second thing is that God desires unity of us under Christ, which comes through our holiness. So it's unity with our brothers and sisters that comes through humility and unity under Christ, which comes through holiness. Now, we're not, I'm not going to address those. That could be a, a sermon series for another time. But I would encourage you as you read the letter, if, if you can read Ephesians this week, to think about those themes and how Paul develops them throughout the rest of the letter. It's really challenging and really inspiring. But, but I think the, the point that I want to make today, and which, which you see really here, is answering the question of how God achieves that goal of unity. What is God's plan to achieve the goal of unity in heaven and on earth under Christ? And this is what Paul is showing us in the verses that we're reading here. Now, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read that passage again in a second, and I'm going to share my screen because I put together a little uh, uh, a slide that I think helps to organize some of the way that Paul uh, categorizes his thoughts. So I'll put this up, and okay. So I'm going to read this, and you can think about this is this this is summarizing the the statements that that Paul is making here in this passage. And so this is saying, you know, I've organized them into what he did, what God did, by what means, how God did it, in what manner, really the the attitude of heart that God had in doing the the actions that he did, and then to what end, what is it that God accomplished in his actions? And so I'll read this, and this can kind of help organize the things that Paul is saying. So I'll start in verse four. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He pre in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now you can see, I think, when you organize it this way, how these statements are really saying a lot of the same things, right? That God, what did God do? He chose us. He predestined us. He made known the mystery of his will. He also, again, Paul says he chose us and predestined us. Now, by what means? All of this happened in Christ. He says in him, meaning Jesus, through Jesus Christ, through his blood, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, in what manner? You can see the way in which God did this, the kind of the attitude that God had. He says, in love, in accordance with his pleasure and will, with the riches of his grace, and the wis all wisdom and understanding. And again, according to his good pleasure. And to what end? That we would be holy, blameless, redeemed, forgiven. That we would be known by him. That we might, be, that we might uh, glorify him. 
included in Christ and have this inheritance. I summed it up this way. That he chose us in Christ as cherished children. And this is the one point that I have for us today. That when God's, God has this plan to bring unity of all things under Christ, what did he do? He chose us in Christ as cherished children. Paul is telling the story of the way that God will accomplish unity in the world. Not again, not only here on earth, but between heaven and earth, all things under Christ. But God's plan to do that isn't vast armies. It's not political power. It's not spiritual gurus or secret knowledge. It's by choosing us in Christ as cherished children. Paul sums up. He says he adopted us just as uh, in the place that we were, God reached into our lives, adopted us into his family. Now I'm going to take this down and Lauren's going to share for a second about our experience of adoption and how that relates to the scripture that we read. Hello, everybody. Um, so yeah, I'm Lauren. And if you don't know, Ryan and I, we have four children. Um, the most recent addition, James, joined our family through adoption. Um, we brought him home from India a little over a year ago now. And I just wanted to share with you some of the ways that he has grown this past year. He's literally grown four inches taller. Um, his muscles have developed and have gotten stronger. Um, before he would just like wait and sit there and wait for you to do everything for him. And now uh, he wants to do everything by himself. If I lay all of his clothes out on the floor, um, he can now put them on by himself, even if his shirt is backwards and his shoes are consistently on the wrong feet. Um, but the biggest change that we've seen, um, which was also the thing that we were most concerned about, is his speech. When we brought him home, he knew no English and spoke very few words, even in Bengali, which is his native language. In the beginning, we were trying to communicate with him through like baby sign language and um, body language and just facial expressions. Um, but now he won't stop talking. <laughs> um, I'll be reading a book to him and he'll keep interrupting me with questions like, you know, is that a froggy or he's going really fast or, you know, just like bombarding me. And now I'm trying to get him to stop talking and to listen. Let me finish the little page. It's like three sentences and then you can ask me all of your questions. Um, but we're so in awe of how much growth has happened in this one year, just because he's now part of a family and in a healthy environment. He gets all the food and nutrients he needs. He gets to run around outside and ride a scooter and just be a kid. He has three older sisters who are teaching him how to play and have fun and who love to love up on him. He has us as parents who are there trying to make sure that he has all the love and support and guidance that he needs um, and that we can give him. We're not perfect, but there's no doubt that this new environment that he's in and his new family that he is a part of has helped him to grow and thrive over this past year. Similarly, when we are adopted into God's family, 
um, we can take advantage of all the blessings that come with being a child of God, with being a part of God's family. And we too can see incredible growth in our lives. Being adopted into God's family means we get to leave the world behind and surround ourselves with our brothers and sisters in Christ and live in a world where the Holy Spirit lives inside us to guide us. When we immerse ourselves in God's word, we will grow. When we meditate on his promises and on his love, we will grow. When we spend time with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that are like-minded, their strengths will rub off on us and we will grow. When we seek discipling and when we are open with our lives, we will mature and we will grow. When Jesus becomes the only person we care about pleasing, we will grow. So just like James, we are chosen, we are cherished, we are part of a great family. And when we immerse ourselves in our family, in the kingdom, we will continue to grow. Awesome. I could just leave it right there. <laughs> Maybe I should, honestly, but I can't resist. I have just a couple of quick comments and then uh, I'll give you a practical challenge and we'll close out. I mean, you know, I do thank Lauren so much for the things that she shared. And it's, I mean, it's amazing what God has done, right? I mean, you know, like Lauren said, we're, we're far from perfect. We've, you know, tried to do the best that we can, but it's amazing how God works through through families, right? And, and our spiritual family is the same way. God has chosen us in Christ as his cherished children. I'll make three, com you know, just uh, uh, comments about just really kind of three quick comments about this, uh, this point here. The first is that the place that we have to start as we consider this passage and really consider this, this, uh, this fact is that it was the sovereign choice of God to offer us the gift of a relationship with him. We aren't here because we made such a great decision to follow Jesus. We were chosen by God. We were included in his plan for salvation from the beginning of time. Now, did God override our free will and not let us choose and we're just automatons who, you know, were forced to follow him? No, of course not, right? God gave us free choice. And yet he also set up all of the circumstances in which that free will would operate. Right? He gave us the, the family and the friends and the environment and the experiences and all the things that helped us ultimately to make a decision for him. And he also knew from the beginning what we would choose in those circumstances. We are here by the grace and the provision and the power of God. But the fact that we were chosen, it also means that we are in exactly the place that we should be that our shortcomings and weaknesses, our quirks and eccentricities, the difficult past that we've taken, God can and will use every bit of that to accomplish his perfect will. You haven't messed up his plan because it was never yours to mess up. You didn't choose him, he chose you. Second, Paul says that God chose us in Christ, that he accomplished the work in our lives that he accomplished through the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> Paul talks about this in, more in detail in, in chapter 2, but he mentions it again and again in this passage. He can't stop saying that everything God does, he says he chose us in him. He accomplished this through him in the blood of Christ. The work that God has done in our lives wasn't easy. It didn't come cheaply. It required a sacrifice on God's part. 
the sacrifice of his son. And so we have to give it in response, the, the, a, a sacrifice on our part as well. We must respond in a way that honors the sacrifice of Jesus and lets it transform our lives. And then lastly, we have to consider the goal that God wanted to accomplish in us. That that goal was to bring us into his family as cherished children. You know, we've been brought into the family of the almighty, perfect, and holy God who has made us perfect. He's made us holy. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven our sins. He's made his plans known to us. He's guaranteed our inheritance in his kingdom. And I love how Paul doesn't just describe what God does in this passage, but also the manner in which God did it. He shows us the heart of God that motivated his actions. He says that God acted in love, in accordance with his pleasure and will, in accordance with the riches of his grace, according to his good pleasure. He's saying that God is delighted to have us in his family. You know, one of the things that I try to say to my kids, especially after they've had a hard day, when I'm putting them to bed at night, which, and if they've had a hard day, it means I've had a hard day. But one of the things that I try to say is, I'm grateful to have you as my daughter. I'm grateful to have you as my son. I think it's important for them to hear that. And I believe that it really helps them when they hear that. They need to know that as a father, I don't just put up with them, but I love them. I cherish them. I'm grateful that God has put them in my life. And the same is true with us and God. He is delighted to have us in his family. We are his cherished children. So how do we live this out? Let's give you one challenge in this area. You know, there was a time when we were going through the adoption process where we had all the paperwork in. India had signed off on us as a family that was uh, uh, qualified to adopt. They had matched us up with James. The court had already granted us legal custody of him. So we were, it, we were his parents already in the eyes of the Indian government. But it would still be months later till we would actually be able to bring him home. And in that time period, it didn't matter that we were his legal parents. His experience of family was dictated by the circumstances in which he lived. The same is true for us spiritually. God has adopted us. At our baptism, God signed the legal paperwork for, to become our father. The church became our family. And yet our experience of the life-giving, unifying, healing aspects of that family will still be dictated in large part by the environment in which we live. The environment that we choose to surround ourselves with. And so the challenge I would give is to ask, are you drinking deeply from the relationship with your true father, spending deep and intimate and soulful time knowing him and being known? Or are you back in the orphanage, fatherless once again? Are you surrounding yourself with faithful siblings who are helping you to see and experience the reality of God's presence on a daily basis? Or are you back in the orphanage, disconnected, relying on yourself to survive. You know, we've been doing a, a bunch of fires recently in our fireplace. It's been cold 
And our heating system honestly has sometimes has a challenge keeping up. And so it's helpful to have a, a fireplace, throw some logs in there and, and help out a bit. But you know, one of the things that we've seen, one of the best ways to put a fire out is to just spread out all the coals everywhere. You can take a roaring fire. And if you just take all those logs and the coals and just spread them all out, the fire dies down and goes out. And the same is true for us spiritually. COVID seems to have taken a giant fire poker and spread out all the coals of our fire. And I think we have to cho a choice about whether we just let that happen to us or whether we resist and fight back and continue to pursue relationships with each other that will help us to be strong spiritually, to keep our fire going. We have a choice of investing in relationships, leaving the orphanage, investing in our true family. God desires to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. His plan to accomplish that goal is through adoption, by adopting each of us as his children. He chose us in Christ as cherished children. This week, I would ask all of us to embrace the family life that God desires for us. Choose to be connected to your true father. Choose to be connected to your brothers and sisters and watch how God uses your life for the praise of his glory. Amen.